This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 27. I want you to look at this passage. I believe, and I was talking to Brother Danny earlier this morning about this message today. And this is a message that not only is fit like a glove for mothers, but for all of the ladies here today because you're so intertwined with so many people and you have a great influence on a lot of people's lives. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. This is not an evangelistic message, one that I have to catch my breath to preach. This is probably, and typically Mother's Day sermons are the hardest sermons of the year that I have to prepare, to be honest with you, and for many reasons. But this message, I finished working on this around Thursday, and I think this is applicable for every lady here today. But being Mother's Day, we dedicate it towards mothers and the admonition of this. But I want you to listen closely to the Word of God today, and I want you to be focused on the title of the message. If you have your bulletin in hand, look at this title, and I want you to let it sink deep down in your heart. It's very simple. For this child, I prayed. I want you to look at this verse. And Hannah, one of the great women of the Bible, she says this in the most extraordinary circumstance. She said, for this child, look at it, I prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I have asked of him. And this is an amazing story. I don't have time to give it all to you today, but I want to give you some highlights before we actually get into the outline of your bulletin this morning. Hannah's husband was named Elkanah, and he had two wives. That certainly had to be a chore. (laughs) Their names, would somebody say amen to that? Yeah. Their names were Hannah and Peniah. And the scripture says this, and think with me now, because this is really important about the story. The scripture says that Peniah had children and Hannah did not. And I want to call your attention to verse 5 and 6. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary, or the other wife, also provoked her sores. This is sort of like, man, I can't believe this is happening. Because I have always learned this in life. Don't ever laugh at anybody else's troubles or make fun of anybody else's problems. Don't do that. Because if it were not for God's grace, whatever somebody else's predicament was, you could easily at the drop of a hat be in the same situation. So 
Two, two rules to, to go by here. It has nothing to do with the message today, but I just want to give you two pastoral counseling sessions real quick. Don't manufacture trouble and don't ever laugh at anybody else's. If you can remember those two principles, I promise you it'll scoot you down a little further in life's road. But Hannah, she was bereaved and she was hurting in her, in her soul. And in verse 16, and her adversary also, look at this, provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So Hannah was not only unable to have children, but that situation had caused her to be a little bit depressed. Now, when you study this story and you look at it far deeper than just a surface reading of Scripture that I've given you this morning, one cause of Hannah's sorrow came about because of the institution of polygamy. That's something that you probably have never really heard from the pulpit or you have not really given too much thought. But really the first opening passages of Scripture talks about that issue. There were many men in the Old Testament who participated in polygamy. Now, I want to say something about that this morning because way back in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he brought everything into existence, and then on the sixth day, the word says, and he created man in his own likeness, in his own image. He realized that Adam needed a helpmeet. Now think about this just for a minute, because this is applicable for the days and the times which we live right now. God stepped out on the portals of nothing, and he went like this. Let there be light. That's what happened. And then with his spoken word, he started to bring everything else into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. Then he brought forth the sun, the moon, the stars. He brought forth the waters below and the firmament above. He brought about the fish in the water, the fowl of the air. He brought about all of these things. And then God said, let us, talking about the Holy Trinity, that word us is a triune word. It means three. We do believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we also believe what John the Beloved said, that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. We believe in the Holy Trinity. God said, let us make man in our image. And he did that. Now think about this. He looked at his man-made human creation, and he said, now I'm going to create a helpmeet for him. That's exactly what he did. Now look, if God spoke the heavens and the earth, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If God spoke the heavens and the earth 
into existence. And he spoke all this other stuff into existence. Don't you think that if he had wanted to and if it was his plan, he could have made Eve, Susie, Rebecca, Ruth, and on and on if that was his plan? Or he could have made Adam and Steve if that was his plan? Can somebody say amen? Am I talking to myself today? Listen to this. It, think about what the plan was. What was the plan? He created Adam. Then he created Eve. He created Eve, one woman for one man, because he needed a helpmate. He needed a companion. Now, you think this is far-fetched, but I assure you today, I promise you, everything that you have seen happen in our nation in the last several years, coming at you, coming at me, coming at the world, coming at the church, like a freight train without brakes, I promise you. Do you know what's on the horizon next? Somebody is going to file a class action lawsuit to say, why are you discriminating against me with only one wife? Because I want two. And another one's going to say, but that's not fair, because I want three. Well, take it from Elkanah. He had his hands full with two. There were many who had many wives and many concubines and all of this stuff, but let me assure you of something. That was not the plan. The plan, the blueprint, took place in the Garden of Eden when God gave Adam a wife, one wife. Now, he could have given him a thousand, couldn't he? if that was the plan, but it wasn't the plan. He gave him one. Now what happened? A few years go down the road, and all of a sudden, people start making it up as they go along. And that's how this thing happened. It, that wasn't God's plan. Polygamy wasn't God's plan. It wasn't in the blueprint, but people just got the notion to do these things. The word of God says at some point that where there were no judges in control, that people just started making it up. They ruled and governed their lives by whatever notions they got. But here's the thing. God could have done exactly what he, if it was his will to have given Adam a hundred wives, he could have done it. But that wasn't his plan. It's that, this thing that Elkanah was involved in, but listen, David, Solomon, we could go on and on and on. Many, many wives. It wasn't God's plan. For a season, God permitted it. It doesn't mean that he ordained it. In fact, it was never proven in any of those relationships in the scripture that it produced happiness and or righteousness. 
And so we have to take that into consideration because part of Hannah's sorrowful spirit that she had, we're going to see here in just a minute, came about from this thing of polygamy. Now, in, in intertwined in all of that was not only the fact that she couldn't have children, not only the fact that Peniah was making fun of her, but those two things put together pr- produced jealousy. Hannah became jealous of Peniah. Now, according to verse number 15, she had identified herself as a woman of sorrow. Look at the scripture. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Now, look at this. And keep in mind that Hannah was a godly woman. She, she wasn't intoxicated, according to the scripture there. I'm not going to have time to read all of these verses, and it's in full context, but I'm going to give them to you. You can read them for yourself. She, she was a godly woman. And so let me say this at this point. This thing of a sorrowful spirit meant that she was depressed. She was down. She was downcast. And I want to say this for everyone here today and everyone listening. It is possible. And it happens far too often. And it's possible for a Christian to be depressed. That's possible. If, if, you, if you start listening to tapes and CDs and you read magazines and watch videos and people tell you that if you are a child of God and you ever get depressed, you're not safe. Don't believe that trash. It is possible for a born-again child of God to get down in the dumps, to be depressed, to have a broken and sorrowful spirit. It's possible. But it's also possible that you don't have to stay that way. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So here's the thing. Because of polygamy and because Peniah was making fun of Hannah, she was depressed and she got into the the words and, and Hannah described her own self to have a sorrowful spirit. But I want to assure you of something. She was a consecrated woman. She feared the Lord. She was a lovable woman. She was a gentle woman. On the other hand, Peniah was harsh and she had a haughty spirit. But Hannah was a thoughtful woman. She was a blessed woman. But one of her greatest attributes was that she was a praying woman. And I want to encourage every mother and especially all of our ladies here today for the next few moments, and I'm going to try to breeze through this as quick as I can, to learn some lessons from this great praying mother of the scripture, Hannah. Because in spite of her brokenness and sorrow, she prayed. And what I believe this morning is this. There are multitudes of broken and bitter and sorrowful women and mothers today who do not pray. You've heard this said many times, prayer changes things. It does. 
I'm glad we have an invitation to come boldly to the throne of grace. God said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Listen carefully. There's no doubt about it that when we have troubles and trials and we have a broken spirit and we're downcast, yes, we all, if we are in tune with God. Now, I'm not saying that uh, you, you, are, you are the best Christian of the week or the best Christian of the day, but this is what I believe with all of my heart. If you love God, you call yourself a born-again believer, when you have a trouble, when you have a problem, doesn't matter who you are, one of the things, and it should be the first thing, it doesn't always work like that, but one of the things that we do or ought to do is flood or rush the throne room of heaven and say, God, please help me. We should do that. Troubles should rush us all to the throne room of heaven, but not just troubles and not just when we're in a mess or in a bind, but we need to have a daily routine prayer life about us. And so Hannah began to pray with intensity she put the sorrowful spirit before the Lord, and her petition was she desired a son. She prayed for a son, and it was an interesting prayer because here's the deal. Most mothers, typically now, most mothers will want to keep their children under their wings for many years. Most mothers want to keep their children close to them. That's only natural. But in Hannah's case... She said, Lord, if you give me a son, when he is weaned, three years old, you think about this. She said, I will, I will give him back to you. If you give me a son, I will give him back to you. Most mothers will not do that. It's a shame, but I'm going to preach today. It's a shame. I'm going to pastor you today. But most mothers now, listen, they'd rather take their kids to King's Dominion on Sunday. Dollywood to the lake, to the river, to the zoo, to the ball game. All of these things. The last thing on the list of priorities is the house of God. Hannah said this, God, I am so broken in spirit. I'm downcast. I'm a sorrowful woman. She spoke those words with all humility, and she said, God, if you would just bless me with a son. She said, I promise you that when he is weaned, I will take him to the house of God, and I will dedicate him and leave him in the house of God to be raised by the priest. Now, you think about this. She said, I will leave him there and I will dedicate him there. That's unnatural. That's not the, nat the natural thoughts and behaviors of, of mothers. And I realize this. This is a supernatural story. I want you to look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20 and 28. I've got to move quickly here. I don't know how I'm going to get all this done in six minutes. Gail tells me that all the time. I put sermons together. I'm preaching next Sunday on, on a Go With God series. And I give her my notes as they type this out for me. She says, how in the world are you going to preach this? My sermon coming up for next Sunday on my notes is 74 pages. I said, I can preach that message in 30 minutes. How are you going to do that? I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I want you to look very carefully. 
Read this with me. Wherefore, when it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all of his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah heard her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah and flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For I prayed, or for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent, look at this, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So I want you to think about this. God chose Hannah to be the mother of Samuel, just like God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus. And the sorrowful spirit thing that Hannah was, it was a very key component because not everyone could have trusted God enough or not everyone could have been trusted to have educated this young boy in the house of the God. And I want you to notice a very tender passage for this young mother, and it's in 1 Samuel 2, verse 18 and 20. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephrod. Moreover, his mother, and this was precious to me when I studied it, look at it. His mother made him a little coat and brought it to him, look at this, from year to year. She didn't renege on God. She didn't say, Lord, I've had enough of this stuff. Six months is too long. I cannot do this. I told you I would, but I cannot. I'm taking this boy home. She dedicated him to the Lord. God kept his promise. Hannah kept hers. And year to year, she made that little child a coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Hannah's sorrow and sincerity prepared her, I believe, for much further blessings. I want you to think about this because after the birth of Samuel, Hannah couldn't have children up until this point. God opened up her womb. And after Samuel was born, she had three more sons and two daughters. God gave her five for one. The grand interest for her loan was 500%. And this is a great spiritual truth. Most of us are not ready for great blessings until we have gone through great sorrow. I want to give you six scriptures or six points real quick. I'm going to breeze through this. You have them on your bulletin. I want you to read it when you get home. But if I could give a counseling session real quick in the next 120 seconds, this is what I would advise you to do every mother in here. Because listen, if I were going to ask you this, how many, how many ladies in here, how many mothers in here, and you don't have to raise your hand, 
But if, if I were to say, how many mothers, how many ladies in here pray for your family, pray for your children? Most everybody will put their hands up. But hey, let me get real with this. How many mothers in this auditorium, the question is not, how many of you pray for your children? The question is this, how many mothers in this building pray with your children? Not just for your children, but pray with them. It makes all the difference in the world. Number one, we have to teach our children. We have to pray for our children that they will love God and that they will love him back. And we have to teach them how to love him back. And I've given you scriptures there. I want you to read them. I don't have time to go through them this morning. But number one, we have to pray concerning our children, that they love God. And listen, you have to teach them how to love God back. To love him, yes, love God with all of their heart, mind, and soul. And love him back. We have to teach him that God loves us and how to love him back. And that should be the first and foremost goal. Number two, we have to pray with our children and teach them how to trust God. Let them be assured from your words, from the meditation of your heart, that God is not just somebody confined to the pages of Scripture, but, and he's not an imaginary being, but that we were made in his likeness and in his image. I've given you Scriptures for that. Number three, we have to pray, and we have to teach our children not just pray for them, but pray with them on how to fear God. Proverbs 1.17, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Number four, I encourage you to pray with, not just for, yes, pray for, but pray with your children. Teach them that one of the most prioritized things about their journey in life is to serve God. And listen, the best way you can teach your children to serve the Lord is by example. And here's where many mothers fail because most men and women, fathers and mothers, we say we don't have time. I'm too sick. I don't feel good. Go ask your mother. Go ask your father. And we spend 24-7 redirecting the crossways, the breezeways of our children. Where we fail the most is we do not take time. Shut it down. Stop it. And pray with them. Teach them how to serve the Lord. And that is done by example. Number five, and our musicians come, please. We should teach them, we should pray that they always obey God. I want to read the scripture, 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight 
in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And lastly, number six, we have to pray for and we have to pray with our children. Teach them how to worship God. There are two things about worship that I want to say in the next 30 seconds, and that's this. When we worship, there's reward. When we do not worship, there is consequence. So this thing about worship has reward and it has consequence. Teach your children how to worship the Lord. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.